or corporate media. This is a show by the movement and for the movement. So we don't just want you to listen. We want you to get involved in the effort to change the world for the better. So check us out every Friday at 5 p.m. beginning January 5th on Pacifica Radio's WPFW. Building a better world, one broadcast at a time. I'm Candy Shannon, and you are tuned to member-supported WPFW, Washington. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Wake Up and Stay Woke here on WPFWFM 89.3. If my voice is sounding a little funny, it's because I have a cold, but I'm uh, still trying to make it. I went to Florida where it's supposed to be sunshiny and warm and came back with a really bad cold. But um, I'm here today, and I missed all of you last week, too. Uh, fortunately, I have some good friends who are scheduled to be on today. Some of them you've heard before. But before we get started, I just want to say that the Angel Food Bank will not be open this Friday. They're doing inventory. That's the one that those of you who are in the Washington, D.C., Maryland area uh, have been accustomed to going to on Friday. So just want you to know they won't be open uh, this week. Well, a lot is going on in the world, and I hope you're keeping up with it. I know you're keeping up with who's supporting whom, and um, you are, uh, maybe some of you are still wondering who you're going to vote for. It shouldn't be a difficult choice, but uh, in, in some places it is. <coughs> okay, it's possible. I'm going to have to cough once in a while, but I'm going to try to stay with you. Um, I have a friend, once he comes on, from California that you've heard before, Arifa uh, Khatib, who has a very interesting story. He is someone um, I have uh, always, uh, a lot, have known for a long time, and he has done so much to honor starting out black athlete, and then he moved to adding other athletes who were basically forgotten athletes but did a great job. And he was telling me about all the things that he did. Some of us think in terms of, oh, I have so much to do. But this is a man who truly has uh, done a lot of in this um, in this world that you would be surprised if you knew him. Uh, for instance, in uh, 2000, he started the nonprofit Oakland-based multi-ethnic sports Hall of Fame, originally called the African American Sports Hall of Fame, to honor underappreciated or overlooked black athletes. But later he included all races and ethnicities. Also, he included women and others uh, who were doing really extraordinary things in the field of sports and or athletics. And of course, he um, has presented 64 award ceremonies around the globe. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and he continues to do that. I know that the person we honor here on WPFW, Dick Gregory, he has presented him, he knew him, and uh, he has received an award from him. Um, there is, you know, just so much about him. Uh, he was telling this story of how he um, started out in life, and he was working just to acknowledge other people uh, as opposed to uh, seeking personal, like, you know, acknowledgement for himself. Uh, he would find out 
uh, those people who had done great things uh, but had not been honored. And um, he, he signed a contract, he said, with an electric company in the beginning. And, of course, he was working on a film, which he was going to talk about today when he comes comes on. Um, I don't know the name of the film yet, but it's a documentary, and he's going to be telling us about that. Um, he um, it has Danny Glover, who we know well here at WPFW, uh, doing the narration for the documentary. And he said, you know, the important thing in life it, in life is to learn more, to do something you haven't done before, and uh, turning the interviews into a mentoring session. He always tries to do that. <coughs> and, of course, he um, has done many other things. I'll, I'll kind of just try to follow the things that he has done. So you'll say, when you're just doing one thing, you'll say, this man has done so many. Why can't I do more? Um and, and what is very interesting is that his name is Eris Khatib, K-H-A-T-I-B. But he said initially his name was uh, Lawrence Smith, but he changed his name in 1974 when he was doing business in the Middle East, uh, not not for religious reasons, but strictly for business reasons. He said that Smith didn't get you uh, in, in very far in Saudi Arabia with a name like Lawrence Smith, but of course um, Eris Khatib uh, did, and he grew up in rural Arkansas, where that name probably didn't help you with a lot of things there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. He um, moved to Richmond, California later, and then he uh, followed his older brother there, and he started a school in El Cerrito where he got his first look at integration. <clears throat> and he said, I know I'm not doing a really good job here, but I'm giving it a try. Um, he started that school in El Cerrito, uh, and he got his first look at integration. Uh, being with white students for the first time uh, showed him uh, the one kind of person uh, that that we are. And he said, that, that should be called human beings, not all of these different titles that we use for each other. So these are some good lessons he taught in addition to opening that uh, museum in Oakland. He said he's had a dozen jobs. Uh, gleaning lessons from each of those jobs that he had. He, he learned how to loan money as a clerk in a pawn shop and, you know, got a good taste for travel as, as a passenger agent and, of course, a porter. He worked as a porter for the Southern Pacific Railroad, and then he, plant, he played a little sem, semi-pro basketball in the 50s. He then moved to Oakland in 54, and he ran a newspaper. And what's funny about his running the newspaper is he said that um, when he ran the newspaper, he had five writers for his newspaper, and he said he were uh, all the numbers. He, he he just did it under different names so that he could have it appear that he had more than one writer. <coughs> and then he um, got into the music business. He was booking uh, entertainment for local campaign fundraisers, and he produced the Bay Area concerts for the likes of uh, Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye, Ike and Tina Turner. And then, of course, he didn't stop there. From there, he started his own record label. He toured the world lecturing at um, business gatherings and, and black colleges. And he'd also been a boxing promoter, a real real estate investor. And it is so funny that he had so many different things that he uh, learned to do. And, and many of us can do the same thing. I know people often ask me how I managed to do so many things. You know, you just do it, um, whatever you see the necessity to do. And he also um, was a business manager for pro athletes and celebrities. Okay, and then he went on. He didn't stop there. In the 90s, it was time uh, for another new venture in his life. And he said, I thought there are four major halls of fame. There's hockey, there's baseball, there's football, and there's basketball. They were all commercial propositions. So he said that he wanted to do a nonprofit, and that is what he did with his, his uh, Hall of Fame, which was first called Afro Hall of Fame, but it's now called Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> Um, and if you think that was not enough, he, he kept going after he organized that Sports Hall of Fame, and um, he, he founded it, and he honored overlooked 
African-American players. But later, as I said earlier, when more diversity had been recognized everywhere, the whole um, went, uh, it became uh, uh, one that included all races and, and uh, ethnicities. And I remember when he was on the program before, I asked him about several players that I had known. He knew every one of them. He just seems to know all in all fields of sports. He knows them and he honored them. And he's truly one of a kind. We're going to take a little break right now and we'll be right back. I'm Jackie Luke Peace. I'm Sean Blackman, and we're the hosts of Darker Than Blue, your number one source for struggle, socialism, and soul. We explore people's movements, news, politics, music, and culture from a perspective that you won't hear from the bought and paid for corporate media. This is a show by the movement and for the movement. So we don't just want you to listen. We want you to get involved in the effort to change the world for the better. So check us out every Friday at 5 p.m. beginning January 5th on Pacifica Radio's WPFW. Building a better world, one broadcast at a time. The best in live music entertainment is coming to Bethesda Theater. Celebrate legend Bob Marley at the annual One Love Birthday Bash featuring popular reggae band I and I Rhythm on Saturday, February 3rd at 8 p.m. Celebrate more love at the Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration featuring live performances of classic love songs on Saturday, February 10th at 8 p.m. Peebo Bryson on January 26th and 27th. Bob Marley's Birthday Bash on February 3rd and Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration on February 10th. More info and tickets at BethesdaTheater.com. WPFW is a proud media partner with Bethesda Theater. Okay, welcome back to Wake Up and Stay Woke. We have another guest here, and when uh, Mr. Khatib comes on, we'll announce the the, uh, program that he talked about. But let's um, take Dr. Verda H. Olyanko, who I just happened to meet in person in Florida. And uh, I want to say welcome to Wake Up and Stay Woke, uh, Doctor. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me to your show. And, yes, Wake Up and Stay Woke. Yes, thank you. Uh huh. Okay, I know that you've had a you're a lifetime scholar in Africana studies, and a self-made student of cultural development. You're an author and researcher, and that's what we're going to be talking about. First of all, you have a book. Tell us a little bit about the book. Tell us the name of the book. Yes, the name of my book is is Resist: Turbulent Times, Ways to Save Ourselves. I was looking at little about the history of what has happened and wondering why our people, African-Americans, whom I call Kemetic Americans, um, have tried so much to advance and have seen other uh, immigrants come in and other ethnic groups come in and surpass us, and we were still not able to grow and develop. That was a big curiosity for me, and I was looking at what are the key issues that caused us to not develop as we have tried and as we have um, our potential. So that's what I saw. What I saw was the the um, lynchings and the massacres have never stopped. And so, you know, we, and there are many people who don't realize that, uh, that, that mm-hmm. we still have lynchings. Um, some years ago, I worked on an uh, anti-lynching bill with Dick Gregory, and it was difficult to get some of those senators to sign uh, a bill that apolog- even a, just apologized for uh, lynching. Uh, so I know what you're talking about. Now, you, are you African or are you African-American? Both. <laughs> Both. Okay, all right. I get it. No, no, I'm seriously. <laughs> born and raised, mm-hmm. born in Brooklyn and raised in Jamaica, Queens, so I'm a native New Yorker. Mm-hmm. 
my parents are from uh, my father and his family from the area of of Star Hill in Dover, Delaware, near Dover, Delaware, and my mother mm-hmm. and her family, um, Dyersburg, Tennessee, just outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Those are my roots in America. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we go even deeper into Africa, and so I actually got my my um, DNA from africanancestry.com, and I mm-hmm. found out that my ancestry mm-hmm. is from the Tikar people in the Cameroon, West Africa. Oh, were you at the event at the World Conference of Mayors when the King of Cameroon and his Queen were there and made uh, Mayor Johnny Ford of uh, of Tuskegee, yes. uh, you know, a king? Were you at that event? That was Absolutely. so exciting. I uh-huh. enjoyed it tremendously um, for mm-hmm. for that occasion. It was beautiful because they embraced our people mm-hmm. as we, you know, embraced other nations, but <laughs> yes, it was the Tikar people um, mm-hmm. in the Cameroon that came with an entourage, and I was so mm-hmm. very, very glad to meet them all. Uh-huh. And you notice uh, Dr. Uh, Kenneth Harris, who mm-hmm. is president of the, um, uh, the Booker T. Washington organization, the Black mm-hmm. Business Organization, yes. he was made a prince. That was also a beautiful ceremony. And what was wonderful about meeting all the Cameroonians was mm-hmm. that um, there was a student here at Howard University in Washington, D.C., from Cameroon, and he came to stay with me for a while while he was in school. A uh, lovely mm-hmm. young man, so I was so happy to meet other people from Cameroon this time. Uh, go, mm-hmm. go right ahead. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yes, so... Mm-hmm. We we were doing that, and uh, the, the book actually. I am truly so sorry that you are challenged. Um, <laughs> we're going to get through this. I pray uh-huh. for your and recovery immediately. Okay, so yes, yes. Um, I um, the the concern that I had for our people has. Uh, I'm a researcher and mm-hmm. an evaluator. And so I look at data, and the data suggests that there's an overwhelming um, concern about foreclosures in our community. Uh-huh. And we all have to pay attention to that. My book, Really Resist Turbulent Times, looks at mm-hmm. how we can find out uh, where the foreclosures are in our community, and really look at, compare it with the amount of new people who have come in and have been able to have jobs. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, you can't um, pay your mortgage or your rent mm-hmm. if you don't have work. So mm-hmm. our situation is uh, uh, quite important for our people if we don't have jobs, then we create them for ourselves, and that's my mm-hmm. opinion. And so many of the, the suggestions in um, my book as, as we move along was looking at um, how to save ourselves and do it yourself. Make your own quote. Mm-hmm. Create. Okay, on that, yeah, um, I, I wanted yeah. to ask you about Ori activation, when you're finished with that thought, what is Ori activation? Okay, all right. Uh, Okay. Now, there was a very important incident um, that happened with the Million Man March, the first Million Man March in 1995. I hate to stop you there, but I was the co-chair of the Million Man March. Many people thought it was all men who were doing the march, but uh, yes. a, a young woman by the name of uh, Miss Green mm-hmm. uh, and I were the co-chairs of the march. And it was an exciting day. I was also a speaker there. Yes. <laughs> yes. And okay, I was very ahead. excited to hear that you were there <laughs> to witness mm-hmm. the entire event. I get involved in a whole lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and I witnessed it on television because I, mm-hmm. I stayed home with the women, uh, which were... Mm-hmm. 
skills, millions of us who were able to watch it on television. However, Uh um, uh, Minister Farrakhan, in his speech, he prayed for atonement and forgiveness of the men that were there. He he encouraged them. He asked them to embrace one another and Mm -hmm. say, I'm sorry, and and give that level of encouragement to more than a million men who were in there uh, at the, Mm -hmm. excuse me. And you know what? There there were billions around the world who uh, listened and heard that same message, too. Yes. Yes, that that was a fantastic thing. <laughs> but now I um I want to share with you what happened and its long term results. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you don't know how well you have done. And by the way, I mailed a letter. I sent a letter to Minister Farrakhan. So he is mm-hmm. long before the book came out. Mm-hmm. But what happened was that um, you have long-term results. And there was this issue of the very strange decrease in crime. And they didn't know what happened, why there was such a social phenomenon in this country from 1995 to present. And so throughout the years and the early, you know, and I give examples of the articles that came out, and they called this a mysterious social phenomenon. And so Mm -hmm. um, here we are. What happened was in the process of the men praying for atonement and forgiveness and and having this witness, I will also say that I spoke to individuals who were incarcerated at the time. They were not able to listen or or be there in any way, but they knew Mm -hmm. it was going on through their own internal grapevine. And they Mm -hmm. had events inside that supported that march. One that I recall clearly is that um, they refused to eat that day. The entire Mm. jail... The entire Mm -hmm. prison, nobody (laughs) ate, and they had fried chicken. Mm. And I was told that if all that fried chicken gets thrown away, (laughs) that's a problem. (laughs) So anyway, long story short, what happened was the Ori activation, which it comes out of the Yoruba um, piece that Ori is... The closest you can get to definition is the soul. And mm-hmm. what happened when there was an ORI activation resulted in immediate, short, and long-term individual, family, and community effects uh, because, they, um, because of their drop in crime. And <clears throat> the discussion that people hear regarding the... the um, Rise in crime, it is absolutely not true. There is mm-hmm. almost literally no crime. The prisons are empty. The prisons that they wanted people to, you know, they wanted this, um, uh, uh, you know, getting, you know, business from the cr- prison. And mm-hmm. so... Um, the people were not able to produce any prisons that um, that were going to make money for them for the free labor of our brothers, and that was a tremendous result in that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so um, the, it's called it's called um, uh, <laughs> the the actual definition was that it caused a complete change in what was happening. And um, uh, I have the data that shows what happened. And in in the health process, it's called um, 
uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. <laughs> but, well, we can, uh, we can come back to it. It's, it's okay. No, no mm-hmm. problem. You know, you've got mm-hmm. so much great information here. I wish we could get it all out, but we're not going to mm-hmm. uh, be able right. to do that today. We'll have to have you back sometime. But please tell our listeners who yeah. may have just come on uh, the mm-hmm. name of your book and uh, mm-hmm. if there's a way uh, for them to get more information about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. The name of the book is Resist Turbulent Times, Ways to Save Ourselves. Okay. And, Do you have a website? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I have, I have actually, I do have a website, but I have an email address that I want people to write. Um, okay. To, that is vholayinka at protonmail.com. That's V, like Victor, H, Harry, O, Lyinka, O, at protonmail.com. What's the last word at what? Protonmail. P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L. Okay. Yes, protonmail.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go back. We get we have time for another couple of um, uh, mm-hmm. points, but make make the mm-hmm. the major points you wanted to make. I know you have one about mar- uh, marijuana, but whichever you think is most important right now, because we are running out of time. Right. Well, essentially about <coughs> marijuana, just because they say it's safe is not necessarily true. So people have to be careful about uh, can- cannabis and what they allow themselves and their children to do and how it impacts on the lives, especially um, adolescents and their abilities to learn. So that's um, very important. There's so many others. I talk about the the danger to our our families from the chemtrails. So uh, even if we look up um, the toxic results inside of chemtrails over our heads, uh, all you have to do is Google it, but I do uh, identify those toxicities in my book because it's important for us to to save ourselves, to be alive for our future generations. It's important for um, us, and another important uh, part of the solutions is we have Hello? to really look deeply at how our children are being educated and look at other alternatives for education, look at other alternatives for how we purchase items. Um, I end the book, uh, thank God for the um, uh, Friends of the African Union and how we're looking at some real uh, resources that can come to us for the development of projects and um, products here in the USA and across the water in Africa, we have so many opportunities to have to, to grow and evolve right now that we just be in touch. If I, that's um, pretty much uh, what I want to say, but um, there is so much now because we are stepping out and beyond uh, all of the attempts. Um, like the anti-lynching law was only passed on March 8th, 2022. Before mm-hmm. there was right. never a law that said anti-lynching, as you had mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. But um, okay, mm-hmm. again, we, have, I, we have about uh, we have about one minute left. So just tell us the most important thing you're going to tell us about next time you're on. Uh, next time I'm on. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, we're going to look at actual projects that can happen. And really, I will look to have more data on the level of, of um, foreclosures because I believe I looked at one town, my own, Jamaica, New York, there were 17,000 foreclosures in a 19-mile um, area. Okay, so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about foreclosure. For those of you who are just joining us, we've been talking with Dr. Ver, uh, Verda uh, Olienka, 
And yes. uh, she has a, an exciting uh, new book that we need to read more about called Resist Turbulent Times, Ways to Save Ourselves. We'll have to have her back on right now. We have to go to break. And thank you so much, Dr. Olianka. It was wonderful oh, meeting you. And as I enjoyed meeting all of my African brothers and sisters, I am sure you did too. Thank you. Yes. Love you. God bless you. We're going to a break. We'll be right back. Yes. Thank you so much. Peace. Brother Jamil here informing you about the D.C. Black History Celebration Committee's annual Black History Month kickoff on Saturday, February 3rd from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. at Westminster, D.C.'s Jazz Church. The keynote speaker is none other than Professor Tom Porter on the role of black artists in the movement for justice and peace. For details, call Chuck Hicks at 202-421-8608. That's 202-421-8608. Or email History at yahoo.com. The event is free and open to the public. Westminster Church is located at 400 I Street Southwest in D.C. Again, the date is Saturday, February 3rd, from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Welcome back to Wake Up and Stay Woke. We're going to have to have Dr. Olianko on again. She has so much information. I had a hard time digesting which things would be more important to talk about, but she certainly has a lot that you would enjoy reading, I'm sure. Uh, well, we're going to Black History Month. Next time we're on, it will be Black History Month. You know, at first we had Black History Week. Then we got moved up to Black History Month. And as Dick Gregory always said, but then they gave us the shortest month in the year, uh, the shortest month on the calendar. So that wasn't real big anyway. But even so, we're happy to have Black History Month, although some of us celebrate black history every month of the year, as we should, because there's so many great things that black people are doing and have done in this country. We have a couple of guests on this morning from Asala. How are you this morning? Who's great. On? Thank you. Who's on? Is this uh, this, just tell this me who's is, on. This is Misha Williams from Asala. Okay, Misha, and, I got your name here. And who else? I think there's another guest on. Yeah, and this is uh, Dr. Zebulon Maletsky, also from Asala. Okay. All right. Well, either one of you, just tell me um, which one. We'll talk a little bit about Asala for the guests who may not know the organization. Yeah, um, well, I guess I could start the, the association. Um, you know, as as you mentioned, uh, we uh, was the was the founders of Carter G. Woodson, founded by Car- Dr. Carter G. Woodson, who started, as you mentioned, Negro History Week, and eventually, which became uh, Black History Month. Um, and uh, he actually set it up and started it because of excitement around the birthdays of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, and that's actually why it's in February, uh, you know. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a great organization, and we are the keepers of the tradition of Black History Month. Okay. Um, now, I understand you have a program that's coming up. Would you tell us a little bit about that program? Yes. So tomorrow, February 1st, kicks off our uh, Black History Month uh, virtual program, and we're very so, so excited. Um, when Dr. Woodson um, uh, established Negro History Week, he made sure to uh, focus the public's uh, attention on a theme, and so uh, about the black experience and the development. And this year, we'll be exploring African American and the arts, and our program will um kick that off in the score, um, African-American in the arts. Um, our program tomorrow is the Black Presence in Sci-Fi, Anime, and Comics, and um, it'll start at 6 p.m. on Asala TV, and this kicks off our month-long um, virtual celebration of Black History Month and the exploration of uh, African-American in the arts. We'll have programs on the first, 
the 8th, the 15th, and the 22nd, all leading up to our big event at the end of the month, the luncheon. Mm-hmm. And how can more people get to uh, see it? Uh, I, I don't know about a solid TV. What uh, Can you find oh. you as to how we get it? Oh, you must get into a solid TV, um, but uh-huh. uh, it is a solid YouTube channel. So if you go into uh, YouTube and you uh, type in at a solid TV, you'll be able uh-huh. to pull up um, our channel. And then please, um, for all your listeners, uh, we would love for them to subscribe and watch all the programming for the month because it's going to be informative, educational, and definitely conversation starters all about the theme of African American in the arts which touches on all the lived experience of what African Americans have done culturally, from fashion, film, visual, the architects, um, literature. It'll, it'll be a really good um, program for everyone mm-hmm. to explore and, and to think about those important topics. Okay. Now, will there be any live programs for Asala during uh, Black History Month? Oh, yeah, there sure will. Um, that's that's the event that is also, you know, it's been historically an event that's happened in Washington, D.C., um, which is the Black History Month luncheon. And it used to take mm-hmm. place, uh, well, formerly known as the Renaissance Hotel, now known as the Western Washington, D.C., downtown hotel. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's going to f- uh, feature uh, House Minority Leader Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. And... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And historian Dr. Hassan Jeffries, uh, who happens to be his brother, <laughs> and uh, Professor Jeffries uh, is at the, the Ohio State University, and so they'll be uh, talking about, uh, you know, probably about uh, their family. Uh, the Jeffries family is well known uh, in, in, uh, up here in New York, where I live, and I think also just all along the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, mm-hmm. being devoted to an African aesthetic and uh, black politics. And so I'm sure they'll be discussing that amongst other things. Um, and that's going to be on Saturday, February 24th from 12 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Again, mm-hmm. at the, the Westin, Washington, D.C. And tickets are still available, but selling, uh, selling can, out fast. Yeah. Going fast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, how can... Um people get more information about the uh, event if they want to decide to attend? So we encourage everyone to come to uh, the Asala website. The website is asala.org forward slash festival. So you can find ticket I, I, I'm information. I'm sorry, Miss um, Williams, just a minute. I'm sorry, what did you say? Uh, it's asala.org forward slash festival. Festival, okay. Yes, festival. And um, mm-hmm. there will be a calendar of, of events for um, all of our uh, Asala TV programming and ticket information for the luncheon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, wh- what do you do in, in um, Asala other than do the, um, the, the programs we've been talking about for Black History? Are there other programs during the year that Asala does? Uh, yeah, yeah, they sure are. Um, we also are known for our annual conference, which uh, takes place usually around the end of September, um, uh, and uh, it moves around a lot. But that's our four-day conference where we really, you know, have our business meeting and uh, all the, you know, events and and papers. Really, a gathering of some of the top black scholars and historians in the country uh, mm-hmm. when they can make it. Not everybody can make it every year, you know, but uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. next year is going to be in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so that's uh, also coming up. But, but we really do events year-round. And as my colleague and uh, running buddy Misha was saying, uh, uh, the uh, Solid TV, you know, it enables us with the YouTube channel to provide programming pretty much all throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Now, is that where you invite uh, authors or others to, to come and present? Or what do you do at your business meeting other than business? <laughs> uh, yes, correct, correct. 
uh, and in fact, the business meeting is only just a, a part of it. But uh, mm-hmm. what we what we mainly do is we have some you know noted speakers, thinkers, scholars. Um, uh, you were mentioning uh, you know Dick Gregory and, and some of the folks, some of our great leaders, thinkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who help us as as a people to understand you know the nature of this celebrating of our history. Uh, they're they're often there. We have a luncheon, uh, some ticketed events like luncheon, sit down meals, uh, mm-hmm. wonderful tours wherever we happen to be that year. Last year we were in uh, uh, a couple years ago. I mean we were in Montgomery, and uh, the, the conference you know moves around a bit. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's a wonderful experience, and then and then a lot of it is uh, there are always some free events, uh, but mainly it's a reg- registered professional conference where mm-hmm. people come to listen, come to learn, and also come to speak and teach. And we have some wonderful vendors there as well, and people clean up and really get some nice stuff while they're there too. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds good. And you said that's going to be in Pittsburgh. Give me the dates again. The conference is going to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I believe the date is uh, September 29th this year. Okay, well, maybe before uh, it happens, you can come back and tell us the exact dates and times uh, so that if there are listeners who want to attend, uh, they can go. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Before you came on, you probably Uh, learned that I came back from sunny Florida with a terrible cold, but um, oh. I'm managing. I always say, tell people I'm not sick. I'm, I'm healing. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's see the the um, the, the Saturday event. Uh, where will that one be? The, your That'll event, be at that the, online. Oh, um, the right Saturday ahead. event. The luncheon will be at the Western Hotel, which is formerly known as the Renaissance hotel and, and in go downtown ahead with, go ahead with the city the town we're we're we go worldwide so let's talk. washington dc okay washington mm-hmm. western hotel in washington dc on february mm-hmm. 29th okay yeah uh, is there a speaker set for that uh, yes um we will have a speaker uh, congressman jeffries um again um his uh brother uh, uh oh, okay. dr hassan jeffries from the ohio state university will be there uh-huh. um uh to uh foster a discussion with his brother and it's going to be mm-hmm. a really celebratory event i mean we will uh-huh. have um uh different uh, uh authors there to sign their books to talk about african americans and the arts to sing and um, mm-hmm. a big part of the luncheon will be the unveiling of the Black Heritage Stamp. So we're very excited to that. Um, mm-hmm. It will be the, the stamp unveiling will be of Constance Baker Motley. Um, and that's mm-hmm. been a wonderful partnership that Asala has had with the United States Postal Service. And it, it just brings a lot of excitement to the day. So well, I hope, um, we are yeah, ready. I hope you all will. I hope you all will continue keeping up the great work because I'm a student of history, too. I love learning about all these wonderful things our people have done and are doing. So thank you for doing that. This program is in honor and remembrance of the one and only Dick Gregory. Uh, I always ask my guests at the end, if you knew Dick Gregory, do you have anything you remember that he said or did? Uh, well, well, Dr. Williams, I, I had a chance to hear uh uh, Mr. Gregory uh, at the uh, SNCC 50th anniversary. Wow, uh, which was in North Carolina. And he came, you know, mm-hmm. and as you know, as you know better than anyone, he was such a friend and close partner with SNCC and and the Black Freedom mm-hmm. Movement in general. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I was uh, counted myself lucky to be in in the uh, in the midst. So <laughs> he left mm-hmm. me with a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had a lot of wisdom there. Sometimes he told it in a humorous manner. Sometimes he was very serious about it, but he always had a response to everything. Okay, um, Misha, did, did you ever meet him? Um, I never met him, but I did hear him speak in D.C., and I agree with, with everything with Zeb said. He gave you a lot, to think, a lot of things to think about in that audience. Uh, he was witty, um, conversation starter. So, yes, I, I do have a, a Dick Gregory memory. 
Okay. All right, then. Uh, I, since he's been gone, I've written two books about him. That, and, and I know there's a lot more to say about him, and many people, his son, Dr. Christian Gregory, has uh, written a book about him, uh, too. So there's a lot more for people to learn that he said or did if they didn't meet him or even if they did. There's never too much information about Dick Gregory. I want to thank both of you for coming on, and I wish you well uh, for your event. If I'm up and running for the luncheon, I'll certainly let you know. <laughs> okay? We'd thank you so much thank for being so much. with us. We've been talking with Dr. Molesky and Ms. Williams from Asala, and we've been talking about the programs they have for Black History Month. Okay, let's see. Our final guest here for today is Mr. George Wallace. Believe it or not, it's George Wallace, but in order to distinguish himself from the other George Wallace, he spells it very different, like J-O-R-G-E. Good morning, Mr. Wallace. Are you there? Yes, ma'am. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm blessed and highly favored, just struggling with a little bit of a cold here, but otherwise I'm fine. Now, Very good. Are, um, now, now, just for just for some clarity, uh, the name uh, is actually pronounced. The name is actually pronounced Jorge Wallace, but translated Jorge. it is too. Hmm? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to speak with you because I would have known that Jorge. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. But it looks just like George Wallace to me. It, it so does. It looks just like <laughs> it. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. All right, then. Um, I noticed that you are a licensed professional counselor and certified clinical trauma professional in Virginia and Missouri. That's quite a quite a stretch. How do you do that? You just run back and forth? No, ma'am. Uh, thanks to uh, telehealth, I'm able to, to be in two places at one time. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, yeah. and I, I guess every time I see Wallace and I see something close to it, I think it's, it's that George George Wallace. You, you'll remember him, of course, if you're old enough. <laughs> I am. I am. It's one of the reasons why my name is Jorge and not George, because my father's okay. name was George. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, I and my mama wasn't having that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I see that you've got uh, <laughs> over... 15 years of experience in mental health and social service fields. So tell us a little bit about the work. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. One, uh, one, I just want to say thank you and tell you what an honor it is to be here this morning. Um, a lot of the things I've done, and you see a lot of Missouri mentions in, in my bio, is because I moved here about four years ago from St. Louis, Missouri, um, when where you, I when you moved. You moved where? Where, where are you? I'm sorry. I, I am in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, okay. You're in the in neighborhood. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I'm in the neighborhood. So, All yes, right. So, right. Uh, mm-hmm. so a lot of the work I do um, has been in, in helping people with, with addictions, um, <laughs> also uh, PTSD. Uh, I've worked with a number of service members in that regard. I've worked with a number of survivors of, of sexual trauma, you know, and, and, you know, making a way to, to exist with their experiences. Uh, so a lot of my focus has been with adults, but I, I've done a lot of work with our teenagers as well. Um, mm-hmm. Working with those, those teenagers that may have some gender issues or gender or identity issues, um, along with all of the other things that, that we experience as adults, uh, depression, mm-hmm. stress, you know, trauma and the like. Mm-hmm. Now, you deal with substance abuse. I didn't know if you said that earlier. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I do deal with substance abuse. If, if I had to have a specialty, I guess it would be substance abuse. Now, now what exactly is post-traumatic stress uh, disorder? Post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, it, it affects individuals in different ways. Uh, but essentially, if I could describe it, is, is you have an event that occurs that is a traumatic event. You know, it, it includes some type of life threat. Um, and after the event, you, your body is still kind of turned on to the event, if, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So that's so that where a lot... Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that like what I, I hear a lot uh, with veterans uh, that they have PTSD uh, after yes, the ma'am. war? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. 
Yeah. It's it's well, like a faucet that's been that's been left on. You know, mm-hmm. and you have all this energy that just kind of rolls inside of you, and you can be irritable. You know, you can startle quickly. You can uh, go the other direction and just kind of be catatonic and, and kind of zone out. And so it it runs the gamut of different things. Now, th- the other day it was announced uh, the tragedy of the three young black uh, people who were killed in Jordan. Now, yes, if they had, let's say, if they had friends who were with them or in the area, uh, is it possible that uh, that trauma will rub off on them? It is possible. Absolutely, because uh, you got to understand, they experienced the same threat as well. They just were uh-huh. killed. Yeah. So, so you have the idea of experiencing the threat, then you have the survivor's guilt of not being killed, um, mm-hmm. in addition to this life threat that happened to you. So I don't know if anything would rub off on them, but they would definitely have their own experience. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, do you find that there are more men or more women who uh, have have this uh, post post-traumatic stress syndrome do you, um, do you work with more which which would you work with more I've, I've worked primarily with men um that have experienced some type of post-traumatic stress disorder um mm-hmm. but i i in my experience it's been mostly men but that's not to say you know that that women don't experience post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder at a higher level because of just some of the different traumas that they're exposed to. <laughs> well, you know how we black women are anyway. We just said, that's okay. We can handle it. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's one of the issues with, with us is when it comes to mental health. You know, we uh-huh. just tuck it and keep pushing, you know, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. so we can't push no more. Yeah, well, you know, it, it uh, doesn't doesn't mean that we don't have these challenges uh, that they don't impact <laughs> us, but it's kind of like that moving on, you know, because we've got children to take care of. We've got, if we're not married, we've got, you know, to work for these children. It's, there's exactly. things it seems that we have to do, and when you have a lot of things you feel compelled to do, maybe it doesn't lighten the trauma, but it gives you <clears throat> cause to move on through uh, the trauma. Would, would you agree with that? Uh, well, I, I would agree. I, don't get I, would, in <laughs> I would agree that that we, as as black people, haven't experienced some of the atrocities that we have as a people. Mm-hmm. That we have learned this intuitiveness that we just push on no matter what. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to see now the physical effects of it. So we lead the country in high blood pressure and hypertension and obesity and diabetes and all these, all those things have a physical correlation or have a direct correlation to, to stress and to trauma and to things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, so I do believe, yes, we do push through those things, but there's still a price that we pay for it. It's not mentally, right. mentally definitely physical. Absolutely. For those of you who are just joining us, we're uh, talking with Mr. Jorge Wallace, and uh, we're talking about right now PTSD. But I want to go because we don't have a lot of time to, uh, if there are places that people can go, if they feel they're experiencing some of these diseases or having some of these challenges, uh, and, and maybe they can't even afford to go to a professional, what would you recommend? Like uh, eating disorders or or depression or whatever. Okay. Well, I, I was I was thinking. I guess my first uh, thought was um, there's a mental health resource number that that individuals can text. Uh, mm-hmm. There are two actually. One is nine eight eight, and the other is two one one. The nine eight eight number, I believe, is affiliated with Department of Health and Human Services, and they okay. have been. Uh, a big figure in kind of pushing different services out there to the community so that people know that they're there. But if it wants someone would dial that number, then they can get them to whatever services. They okay. And, and unfortunately, we'll have to invite you on again because I know you have a lot of suggestions that would be helpful to people, but it's time for us to get out of here. I want to thank you for being on this morning. 
Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. All right. And to our listeners, God bless you. You know, I love you. Brother Jamil here informing you about the D.C. Black History Celebration Committee's annual Black History Month kickoff on Saturday, February 3rd from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. at Westminster, D.C.'s Jazz Church. The keynote speaker is none other than Professor Tom Porter on the role of black artists in the movement for justice and peace. For details, call Chuck Hicks at 202-421-8608. That's 202-421-8608. Or email History at yahoo.com. The event is free and open to the public. Westminster Church is located at 400 I Street Southwest in D.C. Again, the date is Saturday, February 3rd, from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Gil Scott Heron said, The revolution will not be televised, and yet we've seen oppression, suffering, and resistance streamed in real time across this country and around the world from Palestine to D.C. In times like these, it's imperative to have a station like WPFW that centers justice, reflects hope, and fosters solidarity throughout our music and public affairs programming. From February 4th through the 24th, we offer you the opportunity to partner with us in this critical work of liberation by donating during our Winter Pledge Drive and ensuring that WPFW will be here to chronicle the revolution. WPFW, Revolutionary Radio for Revolutionary Times. WPFW presents Jazz at 100 2024, a sonic centennial tribute to those artists turning 100 years old in 2024 and one that will surely become an annual broadcast. On February 2nd, from 5 a.m. until midnight, we'll celebrate the music of Max Roach, Marshall Allen, J.J. Johnson, Sarah Vaughn, Blossom Deary, Armando Peraza, Lucky Thompson, Louis Belson, Dinah Washington, Bud Powell, Paul Desmond, D.C.'s own Charlie Rouse, adopted D.C. native son and my father, Sonny Stitt, and many others. That's Jazz at 100 2024. February 2nd, 5 a.m. until midnight, right here on WPFW, your station for jazz and justice, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. The best in live music entertainment is coming to Bethesda Theater. Celebrate legend Bob Marley at the annual One Love Birthday Bash featuring popular reggae band I and I Rhythm on Saturday, February 3rd at 8 p.m. Celebrate more love at the Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration featuring live performances of classic love songs on Saturday, February 10th at 8 p.m. Peebo Bryson on January 26th and 27th. Bob Marley, the birthday bash on February 3rd and Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration on February 10th. More info and tickets at BethesdaTheater.com. WPFW is a proud media partner with Bethesda Theater.
I'm Jordan Cato Strudwick, and I'm grateful to announce the launch of my new show, Blue Notes, airing from 10 p.m. to midnight on Wednesdays. Blue Notes are a musical expression and way of knowing the world that our ancestors brought with them from Africa and held onto tightly despite Herculean efforts to strip us of our African heritage. Blue Notes are a through line connecting our musical traditions, including spirituals, the blues, jazz, funk and soul, Afro-Latin and Caribbean music, Afrobeat and the Kora, and beyond. On Blue Notes, we'll deeply engage